apparently one boat was not enough. No. I mean, why would it be? <sighs> like, uh, this is, uh, you know, the undisputed master of the universe here, Jeff Bezos. Why would he settle for anything less than a single... Why would he settle for anything less than two boats at the same time? And, and you know, I'm sure the <laughs> listeners are kind of sitting going, well, wait a minute, we're pretty sure Jeff Bezos has enough money to fund his own personal navy and go do, like, East India Company bullshit if he wanted to. And, you know, we're not talking about, like, Jeff Bezos got bored and got another couple powerboats here. Yeah. And he didn't buy his way into onto an Arle Burke or something. No, no. Um, <laughs> he bought himself a yacht, a and, super yacht. <laughs> you know the kind of things that look like you know where Lex Luthor has his coke and blackjack parties. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And of course. The problem with, you know, a 423-foot-long vessel is that there are places you cannot put such a thing. And so you need an auxiliary boat. You need a 100-foot support yacht. I wish I was making this up. (sighs) There's got to be somewhere to put the poop bags for the crew. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. <sighs> like, just... I know, you know, in Star Trek, the Jean-Luc Picard has a captain's yacht, but that thing's, you know, justified. Because okay. it's a fucking spaceship, and it's a tiny little thing. This is like, no. <laughs> I need to have a luxury yacht to go with my super yacht. Because apparently getting the super yacht meant I got something that I couldn't park in most places. Oh, yeah. Like, basically what the rich have decided is that now is the time to go on to the high seas. Because, you know, you can't do the whole... um, a high society show circuit or um, and they they did kind of close Epstein's Island um, a couple years ago which allegedly has something to do with why Bill Gates is now about to become Bill Gates mm-hmm. it's so... not as bad as the ever given you can forgive me there <laughs> So yeah, basically a whole bunch of like super rich people are buying every single possible allocation for pleasure craft, large pleasure craft. And apparently it's 417, not 423. I don't know where I got 423. It sounds about right, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, ah, this is just, yeah, and it's part of this huge boom of super yacht building. Like, yeah. 
there are slips that are backed up for years because Jeff Bezos and company made out so well from the pandemic. They're like, yeah, fuck it. I want my version of Jabba the Hutt's Pleasure Barge, mm-hmm. which may or may not have a Carrie Fisher lookalike prepared to strangle me with her own chains. Mm-hmm. And of course, the pleasure yacht must have its own pleasure yacht. <laughs> Because that to do otherwise would be gauche. Like you have to like keep up with the Rockefellers and the fucking Waltons and shit. There's probably <laughs> there's probably like a couple of cigarette boats and such um, attached, but we don't talk about the support craft or you know the jet skis. We just have to talk about the yachts. Everything yacht class. Those things are implied anyway. Like if you're Jeff Bezos (laughs) and you are doing your level best to live your Lex Luthor cosplay to the point of which that your show, that your network, sorry, is now running two television series where Superman XP is the villain, you know. As you do when you're totally trying to assure people that you have their best interests at heart and you're not plotting world domination. Yeah. Oh my god. Wasn't there like at least one Bond villain that was based off of a super yacht? At least. I want to <sighs> say like two or three. Like, Jeff, this is just such a bad look. Like, you should have talked with your PR department about this first. <laughs> ah, so welcome plus. to Chop Shop Economics. <laughs> yeah, we read this shit so you don't have to. <sighs> Please also subscribe to our Patreon, where you get early advance access to these episodes, uh, bonus content, and more. Just five bucks a month keeps the server bills paid. Um, eventually, you'll start paying us as well. But none of that can happen if you don't subscribe. Yep. So throw in a fiver at chopshopeconomics.com. Sorry. So throw in a fiver at patreon.com slash chopshopeconomics. We should totally get chopshopeconomics.com domain, though. Oh, yeah, we should. That That's, like, on the list of things that the Patreon would hypothetically pay for someday. Um, yeah. All right. QAnon news. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so, uh, where should we start? (laughs) I think the best place is the inflation shit. Oh, yeah. I mean, we used to be like, oh, you know, inflation can never happen. Um, we are in a, we are like, you know, on the edge of a deflationary spiral and we've been there for like 10 fucking years. Not anymore. (laughs) Nope. 
Uh, there's a lot of explanations for this and why the fuck this is happening. Um, the most popular one seems to be that the economy is apparently overheating itself with reopening and getting back to normal. Um, not exactly the ringing endorsement they think that is there, but, you know, whatever floats Ooh. your boat, I guess. Ah. I mean, what do you think is the real cause? Well, you know, it's the supply chain crisis we've been talking about for a while now. Like, this is, and we'll get into that a lot more later, but the short version is this is a million little things all breaking all over the place that's leading to things like lumber prices being at record highs um, in the U.S., uh, like food now reaching like highs for example with grain that haven't been seen since like you know at least a decade if not more um yeah this is not like i mean shit like you know the semiconductor shortage which is rippling across all kinds of industries um basically anyone who needs semiconductors which is almost anything that's manufactured these days um there's just all these ways and places that just in time and neoliberal logistics is coming undone and this is also you know to an extent i think the so-called job shortage better described as the shortage of people who are willing to fucking die to do the miserable jobs that are necessary to keep this shit going is also probably a factor there. Because if you don't have people that are willing to do the absolutely grueling labor that's necessary to keep this economy functioning, you know, that's going to compound all the other supply chain problems. So, you know, I think it's a bunch of things, and I don't think it's the, oh, well, this is temporary that Jerome Powell's been saying over at the Federal Reserve, or that this is just because, oh, it's the economy's getting back and started, it's creating an unexpected spike in demand. It's like, no, it's returning demand to previous levels. We've just been in an economy that can't sustain that because the entire superstructure is a fucking rotten mess. Like, we should probably get into, like, some numbers here. Basically, we we have missed the inflation target. We are way beyond what we could have ever hoped for, you know? Yeah, this is, like, month over month... 4.3% on inflation, which doesn't sound like much, keeping in mind there's like an aggregate across a whole lot of things Uh at work here. Um, But this is like the largest jump in prices since 1981 that's been experienced in the United States. Yeah. Like, we're not talking like, oh shit, the money's going to be worthless levels of inflation, but... You know, this is exactly the thing that's going to put a pinch in people's ability to do things like buy food. Yeah, I mean, or, it's not it's not time to get out the wheelbarrows for transporting your money. Um, but 
you are going to see higher prices. Most of those are probably going to manifest in offering less, you know, deals, basically. <laughs> um, and like the way it's manifesting, for example, in food prices is because grain and corn are up. That okay. means everything else is up because we feed all of the livestock with those things. <sighs> There's a corn ETF that's up. Um, 43% year to date. Uh, their soybean fund is up 24. Wheat is up 16. Like, that's that's not a good sign. Nothing about that is nothing about that is good. And so what we're seeing here is basically we got a lot of money chasing not very many goods because Basically, the goods that do exist are out of position or just straight up did not get manufactured last year. And so they're not showing up this year. And <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to tell you, except this is going to suck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just it's it's massively like like there's no. Uh, good way to talk about this other than everything's going to be getting more expensive and this is pro this is again like this is going to put more strain on an already strained system and while i don't think this is necessarily like like i think the tendency that we're seeing from the fed and other like big economic authorities to say well this is because of reopening and because things have not gone are like well with reopening and now we're seeing like too much money getting spent too quickly which is usually which you know that can cause inflationary spikes because it can cause like disruptions in demand and supply and all that but this is much deeper and more structural than that yeah like, <clears throat> you don't get this kind of significant rise in un like in inflation just out of because everyone now is spending their pandemic savings yeah and so far as that's an actual thing <laughs> yeah like I, i'm sorry but you know a dozen karens are not going to refloat the economy I'm sorry. It's it's just yeah. doesn't work like that, folks. <laughs> and this is especially like in this case instead it's because you know, we have suffered a serious structural collapse in the global economy as well as particularly the US economy. Like Let's not forget, more value was destroyed during the initial COVID shock than was lost during the first four years. And we're talking as a percentage of the economy, not absolute value numbers here. Uh -huh. More than in the first four years of the Great Depression. Yeah. Like, you really don't think that the U.S. is just going to, like, eat a fucking sandwich and be over that. Pretty much. I mean, that's 
people have this weird idea that like I don't know like you know we can just shrug off um, a year of supply chain failures and it's like no that stuff that stuff has finally caught up to us now that people are spending they're realizing that like there's nothing to spend on because <laughs> you know a lot of the heroic measures that salvaged the economy and like you know last year like those bought the goods that would probably be bought now but you know everything everything has been fucked like you cannot get a video card for love or money at this point. And that Unless includes you're... if your name is General Motors. Mm -hmm. Or yeah. Microsoft. Like, at this point, the only reason um, you... Like... What I've seen is people just like buying pre-built systems just to pull the video card out because the entire system is worth as much as a scalped card, but at least the OEMs, they get allocation and they don't, they don't have to suffer the open market like we do because, you know, fucking buttcoin, the, um, the Ethereum people and, you know, all the other, um, all the other people who basically steal GPUs um, for their own use. Like, God, I hate these fucking people. Yeah. So this is <laughs> shit that's going to continue to ripple throughout the economy. Don't expect this, like, inflation to be a one-time thing. This is the beginning of a sustaining trend that has been kicked off by... The fact that the economy and its core ability to function has become completely destabilized yeah. in a lot of critical ways. Like, this is... <sighs> Everything I keep hearing in the you know electronic supply chain is like, we'll have stock next year for, you know, high demand items. It's always you, we'll, we'll talk next year. We'll talk next year. You might see something useful next year. Um, Just don't think about <laughs> now. And it's the same across every other industry in varying different ways. And that's before going into that things like road accidents and shipping accidents and all these other things that impede the movement of goods and services are up because yeah. the reduced numbers of people who can work are still being expected to meet at least very similar levels of capacity with under increasingly more difficult circumstances. Yeah. Shall we move on to the plague news? Oh yeah. Ah, okay, in advance, we apologize, Trippy, <laughs> but 
we gotta talk about it. Yeah. The so, COVID death toll. <laughs> yup. Which, you know, as we've speculated maybe inaccurate well turns out there's now a study that's going hey that speculation was not completely coming out of your ass yep so with terms and conditions apply terms and conditions definitely apply some of it is overstating its case a little because well I, I think they kind of assumed that, like, you know, any country with an actual economy, like, hid some of their, um, some of their crisis. And in a lot of cases, that seems to be correct. Like, a lot, there's, there's several countries that basically underreported because, you know, they don't test, like, every fucking corpse to, um, hit the death count and you know a lot of in some cases it's like like with you know russia like there's no way they had only a hundred thousand deaths no that's that's completely ridiculous um i i would completely believe they've had almost six hundred thousand. we are of course talking about the hme numbers um which at this point are speculating that the U.S. is probably close to a million at around 900,000 at this point. Mm-hmm. Which is what we kind of figured would be the first year death toll. <sighs> so we only missed it by 100,000. God damn. This is, yeah, this is so fucked. Yeah. It's so fucked. <laughs> There's just no amount of this is awful that can be said other than, hi, this is absolutely awful that we're, we're kind of right about this in the worst way possible. Yeah. And, like, some of this is... Uh, some of this analysis was finished fairly recently um, but not recently enough to like capture like the utter clusterfuck that went down in India like there is no way they're at 654k deaths right now Um, that was a figure they gave before the second wave started or right as it started. Um, the report was 221K. They estimate 60, uh, 654K, um, which, frankly, I can believe they don't really have the resources to count all the dead, to, like, you know, do the hard work of figuring out was this a COVID case or not? Like, yeah understandably yeah i mean you're not going at this point you're not going to learn that much from an autopsy what does it matter if they if they've died um from covid as opposed to something else and it's like you know 
that's how cases disappear into the excess deaths category, which is what they're tracking here. They're using that as a... Uh, they're basically using that as a proxy for, like, how many people actually did die uh, yeah. from COVID. And this is including things like people who died of other medical conditions that could have been prevented if not for the fact that medical resources have been completely sucked up into dealing with covid oh yeah that was one of the things that was slash is happening in india like if you have something besides covid going on god help you because may the gods help you because ain't nothing else gonna help you at this point yeah. if if you need a trauma word i'm sorry but you're you're already dead you just don't know it exactly like the circumstances have gotten that sufficiently dire and that yeah. was something that is still like close to if not potentially happening in some parts of the united states where rural hospitals or underfunded hospitals or, you know, for a hot minute, Los Angeles almost was in this category, um, just completely broke down. Yeah. I mean, you can handle like 100 or over 100% utilization for a few days. You cannot sustain that for a few weeks, let alone months or years. Yeah. And that's that's what happened in India is that's what happened. That's what happened in Brazil. That's what happened in a lot of these places. The system simply got overwhelmed. In some cases, it only happened in certain highly stressed areas. In some areas, it happened nationally. And it's it's fucking horrible. Yeah, but there's just no way around it other than yeah, this shit's awful. And yeah, the global COVID death toll probably is higher than we've been led to believe. Not because you know there's some kind of conspiracy to undercount this shit. Just because you know systems have been under a lot of stress. Resources had to be prioritized and. You know, there's also probably a little, like, you know, not, you know, people pulling the strings pressure, but more the usual, you know, don't give the boss another reason to cut my funding pressure to maybe yeah. not look so closely sometimes. Like the usual kind of capitalist, let's just make this go away shit. Yeah. I mean, it's like some of this... Some of these numbers I am a little suspicious of, but most of these are like United States having like almost, you know, a third of excess deaths just not, straight up not counted. Yeah, yeah, that, that fucking tracks. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, like I can see that. <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, the Egypt numbers are kind of an outlier because uh, according to their own statistics, 
Egypt hasn't even had 170k deaths last year in total. Like, other things will kill you just as good as COVID does. But, you know, it's kind of beggar's belief to go, oh, Egypt had more people die of COVID than of everything. Period. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's a little sus there. Yeah. I mean, I suspect... Well, my my personal theory is that, well, they simply assumed that Egypt has the same exact problem that, like, Russia had, where, yeah, they, you know, grossly undercounted because it was not politically expedient to count deaths and... On top of that, you know, there's just no capacity and no slack in the system to begin with. Like, yeah. <laughs> this, the Soviet Union would not have handled this particularly well, but there is, there is no fucking way. Like, Russia had never had a chance. I and mean, yeah. it was just that bad. Like, and this is like a country that's been slowly strip mining all of its assets for oligarch bling for the past three, four decades. So, you know, Mm -hmm. it makes a certain kind of sense that they don't have the resources to effectively combat this. Same way that it makes sense that the U.S. would lie. And in some cases, and in other cases, just straight up not know. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I think that, like, some of this is, like, an overestimate, because it's like, excess deaths is kind of a crude proxy for this. It's very hard to control this stuff with, you know, heterogeneous data, but it's like... Yeah, I I understand how they could have gotten to these numbers. These numbers look reasonable in most cases. Yeah. You know, given what we know of, like, the political situation and how well they did with COVID over the past year. Like... But yeah, this generally, (laughs) you know, it doesn't paint a good picture for most of the world. And it unfortunately is kind of in line with what we've expected. In yeah. somewhat better COVID related news, largely due to a quirk of that in the Brazilian government, the head prosecutor for the country is elected independently of the president. A criminal investigation has been opened against President Bolsonaro for his yeah. spectacularly awful handling of COVID. If you were curious what the IHME numbers were for that, they reported 408k, they guessed 595k. Um, and they did have a entire prov- uh, provincial health system collapse. And that's just what was recorded. Like, your Bolsonaro like completely shit the bed on this. It was 
<laughs> yeah, and there's plenty of clips of him saying shit like people have got to man up and stop complaining. So this is like, you know, I'm not a lawyer. Miss Silver's not a lawyer. Neither of us would be competent to represent anyone in a court of law, but I'm pretty sure we could convict him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of this sounds like just straight up depraved indifference because this is this whole this whole crisis is basically inconvenient for him the virus doesn't give a shit though yeah the virus just goes that's nice we're still gonna like fucking infect the population and do what viruses do yeah. Meanwhile, you know, the allegedly more developed United Kingdom is watching as Boris Johnson scraps the independence of the court system with the <laughs> approval of the Queen, who's supposed to be that check against tyranny or whatever the hell it is she does when she's not waving at people um, and being a tourist attraction. Yeah. And it's like at this point. <sighs> Like, Bolsonaro, you know, explicitly refused a contract with Pfizer because they wouldn't indemnify, um, uh, basically the, um, dimwit gets sued by, um, Brazil for any complications, which is, uh, I, 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 I sort of, I, I get why that might be a thing, but at the same time, it feels like, you're just doing this to not have to pay for it. It's like now's not the fucking time. If yeah. you actually gave a fuck about not killing people. But, you know, we know that's not the case with Bolsonaro. So <laughs> that solves yep. that problem real quickly. <laughs> <sighs> So, you know, for once, you know, we're offering critical support of someone being prosecuted for a thing. Yeah. Um, all right. So on to labor. This is where, well, you know, sometimes shit's more positive, sometimes it's not. This is one of those times where it's not. Apparently, the new Connecticut motto is party like it's 1899. Mm Mm-hmm. Or 1925. Yeah. And we say that because, basically, um, they are calling out the governor... Um, is calling out the National Guard to break a strike by nursing home workers um, who have, you know, largely been sent to die for like 13 bucks an hour. And in the latest contract negotiations, they've been wanting to raise the pay floor from like 13 bucks an hour to more like 20 as a minimum. And, you know, this is Connecticut, so 
13 bucks an hour in rich New York's backyard. Yeah. Not going to get you that much. Oh, yeah. Like, this is... This is entirely reasonable for, like, you know, the frontline workers who are supposed to, like, be the first line of defense against, you know, all these old people, like, becoming sick and dying from COVID. And we're like, no, we we refuse to settle a fair contract and substantially raise their pay because... Wonder wonders they've kept they've kept kicking the can on pay rises for over a decade and now shockingly enough like yeah 20 bucks an hour that's what we want that is entirely reasonable to want and because the state is the one that pays for most of it they're they have a lot of power in this process and the state is kind of like, we don't want to pay that much. And it's just like, fuck you. So, you know, that's what happens when you run your public services or anything related to those public services. Like they're a business is you start acting like you're a business and doing shit. That's actively detrimental to people and your goals and things like you know maybe you should do this because it will significantly reduce like any problems that could come up in your healthcare system which is already massively under stress like you know you want those people to actually keep coming in and sooner or later when the choices are like death slowly or death quickly they'll be like yeah I'll just I don't want any of it thank you no death And it should be pointed out that, like, the state minimum is 12 bucks an hour. (laughs) Which I did not know. I thought they were, you know, one of those awful fucking states with, like, 725. Um, Keeping in mind, this is effectively, like, fairly skilled labor we're talking about here. Like, I'd love to see anyone who owns these nursing homes actually like, you know, do something like change 50 bed sheets in an hour. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. While Aunt Melvis is hurling bedpans at you because she forgot that you work there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like like, a lot of the legislature has conceded that, yeah, yeah, we can afford to pay for this. This is not unreasonable. But, you know, the the governor's like, this is our final offer. We're going to give you some hazard pay, but we're not going to give you a real pay rise. And it's like, fuck you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> this For fuck's sake, this is just stupid and cruel bullshit. Um. Oh, that gets us to something that is a little bit of a bright spot in higher ed, um, where to give a little background for folks who have been watching what's happening in the world of education, like a lot of universities across not just the United States, but 
large chunks of the so-called developed world have been slashing budgets, laying off faculty, generally like engaging in some really brutal austerity. Like we're talking like mass layoffs of tenured faculty, which is something that's literally never happened in the history of tenure. Uh, I mean, like, you know, people can get fired on tenure. It's really, really hard. And that's its own conversation. But, you know, this isn't like we're talking like the usual thing of adjuncts getting the axe in the face. This is really unprecedented shit. And one such place that was on the receiving end of all this is San Francisco City College, a community college that like most of the community college system in the United States, certainly in California, is on hard times because of COVID and COVID impacts to things like enrollment and having to spend extra money to adjust for online learning. So earlier this year in February, the board of trustees at uh, CCSF, instead of going, hey, you all like busted your ass to make this college work that predominantly serves communities of color and low income uh, residents of San Francisco, handed out pink slips to 163 full time faculty, including multiple like department chairs and tenured faculty, and was prepared to lay off another like 500 part time faculty and effectively reduce the faculty size by two thirds. Which, you know, I hate to say it, but this is not an unusual story in that respect, um, at least in the respect that austerity was being inflicted. Um, but what makes this one different is as of Monday, May 10th, the Board of Trustees, after a lot of pressure from student groups, from the union itself, uh, direct actions of things like students marching on the homes of trustees since, you know, they're working from home. So that's the office now <laughs> cuts both ways, motherfuckers. <laughs> and one particularly entertaining incident where the vice president of the board of trustees called the cops on a march or at least you know, he loudly denies calling the cops, but this is a guy who's, like, called out riot lines to clear out, like, homeless encampments. So, you know, you be the judge. Because um, he's loudly denied this. Um, called out the cops on a mostly black and Asian American student march that was entirely peaceful, going up to his door, going, why are you destroying our college? You know, totally a great look for a gay white San Francisco man to call the cops or not. I mean, he could have possibly like weathered this whole bullshit if he just kept his mouth shut instead of loudly saying, no, I couldn't have possibly done that. <laughs> or, you know, fingering someone else for it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we didn't get anything that was, like, especially dramatic happening in this bit of student action, and this story probably won't be over anytime soon, but, because, you know, the same administrators are still around, the same austerity fucking pigs standing ready with the hatchets, but for now, at least, 
City College of San Francisco is an exception to the rule of higher education being absolutely wiped out by COVID. Oh, yeah. Ah, thanks for the report back. <laughs> I will uh, not disclose the extent of my involvement in this case. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, so, banking and finance. Yup. So, yeah. Elon did a thing again. Mm-hmm. He did a thing. <laughs> he stopped taking Bitcoin for Teslas. Um, some of it was like, you know, he has to like greenwash his car project because, you know, obviously that's part of his, you know, hashtag lifestyle brand. Um, it's like 90% of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, mostly it exists to, um, so offset credits so that, you know, uh, Subaru doesn't have to produce a compliance car or whatever, (laughs) but, um, basically, um, they were like, yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. We're, they're not selling their stake. Uh, which is somewhere around 1.3 billion at this point. Fucking 41k hell. coins, um, which they they definitely lost some uh, some value on that because of the whole, um, you know, whenever you say something that is, um, Elon, that is good for Bitcoin. Things, you know, the price collapsed. Or goes For a up. Bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the levels where officially it is now getting prohibitively expensive for Elon yeah. to take Bitcoin for the cars. Good job, Elon. <laughs> Part of it, as I understand it, was that they were actually having trouble making it work at all. Because they set like a 30 minute confirmation window. And most of the time, a transaction takes about an hour to completely confirm. Um, because the network is just, you know, it's straining under the weight of like, you know, the Bitcoin cartel out in Xinjiang. And, you know, it's also <laughs> worth mentioning normally. That it takes time if you're doing a normal debit card transaction for the transaction to be verified. That's why, for example, if you go to buy gas or credit card, any kind of electronic transaction, really, like that's when, you know, when you go to buy gas, you will have a hold on your bank account for at least a day or two until the transaction clears and the gas station goes... Oh, right. Yes. And we have verified this transaction and the bank says yes. And we can certify that this thing exists. So here you go. (laughs) Except, you know, this is fucking Bitcoin, which is not as simple as calling up the bank and going, so how's everything? (laughs) Yeah. What ended up happening in a whole bunch of cases was 
the bitcoins would essentially get stuck um, somewhere in transit um, from wallet to wallet. And because of the 30 minute timeout instead of the hour one that a transaction usually takes to fully clear, um, it's probably worse by now, to be honest. What would happen is your one and a half bitcoins for your Model S would get stranded permanently in the void in a wallet that you can't access and neither can Tesla. Not even the third party payment provider can access it either because the whole system is broken and not really designed for like the transaction volumes that they actually deal with. Like they really, really fucked up the rollout. And I I think some of this is just like, I think some of this is greenwashing. I think some of this is just, they fucked it up. They fucked their implementation up so badly that, like, if it got, uh, if if this had continued for much longer, I think they would have been sued. Yeah, like this is. By the way, for all those folks who are saying, "Don't worry, Bitcoin and all the other coin can totally be used for real world transactions." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, here's a great case study for you to look into yeah i mean you practically have to pay like you know 0.1 bitcoin just to get your transaction (laughs) which is what happened the um the transaction fee was too low so the miners kept skipping it and skipping it until it fell into the void. <laughs> uh, this is just, yeah. Don't worry. Your Bitcoin totally won't be rendered worthless by the fact that Elon did this. I mean, it won't. There's still too much bullshit, stupid money chasing a dwindling quantity of coin and rigs and everything else. But, you know. Yeah. I mean, they just... They completely dropped the ball on this. They're just saving face. Yeah, they totally fucked this up. And this is now a situation where, hey, guess what? Looks like Bitcoin doesn't have the means to be able to replace actual currency. It's not going to be useful for purchasing goods and services. It certainly won't be replacing the Fed anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, it would have been literally cheaper to just send a fucking wire transfer. The wire transfer would have actually gone there. <laughs> and all the fucking fluctuations in the market that all the coiners love going on and on about, guess what? That's part of why this doesn't work very well. Because if your Bitcoin, while it's stranded in the magic wallet loses or gains value by a significant amount what the hell happens to the transaction (laughs) who the fuck is gonna honor that yeah yeah i mean it's like there's a reason that like everyone else like just farms this shit out to like coinbase or something or bitpay you know basically you know 
bit pay is like paying itself on both sides of it so that it doesn't have to run out to the blockchain to actually do the transaction. <sighs> but, you know, Elon was like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to like accept it directly. And that doesn't work. And that doesn't work it, it, for anyone, by the way, <laughs> no one's figured out how to make this shit work. Yeah. I mean, it's like, the only reason that like anyone uses it at all for anything is because there are payment processors that will accept the risk because they pretty much you know when the when the underlying risk of what you're moving is things like several tons of illegal drugs bundled in with child pornography or something you know you're willing to pay the extra cost for an untraceable untouchable transaction medium because fuck it you're already like pulling some hanky ass shit that's going to exceed any potential like losses on transactions along the way first felony's free <laughs> <laughs> Uh. <laughs> yup so yeah like we've been saying get the hell out of crypto please oh and speaking of that you know get the hell out of crypto and other crazy financial shit apparently on may 12th that report about inflation caused stocks that were supposed to be immune to covid to tumble yeah a third consecutive day of losses. <laughs> what was that about the stonks or holding up the economy again? Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Just one percentage point from limit down. Uh... Like, you yeah. gotta remember, a lot of the time when we were headed to Dow 18K... Like, we would never quite hit the circuit breaker, but it turns out that, like, knocking off 2% every day will eventually kill all value in the Dow. <laughs> mm -hmm. Doesn't matter that we didn't stab you through the heart or cut open the, you know, high, the pulmonary artery of finance if, oh, wait, you're just bleeding out profusely. <laughs> oh my god like everything about this was just massively fucked like it's exactly but, why we recommend first national bank of your mattress and or local credit union mm-hmm mm-hmm and like, yeah there's Mostly it's because of the inflation report, fallout from April's jobs report. Like, there's a lot of things that are driving this downward trend in stock prices, which is a thing that we largely stopped covering ever since, you know, we hit Dow 18K and then, you know, the fucking, uh, the fucking Fed managed to inflate it all the way back to, like, 34. Like... There wasn't much to talk about, but, like, this time around, there is something to talk about. Which is, yeah, the, inf 
people are scared of inflation again. <laughs> and the real economy is starting to creep back onto Wall Street, which, you know, means with how utterly dire we're expecting the rest of the year to go, like, you know, there's going to be that nice little bump for a hot minute that will yeah. rally the markets through the summer. But once the holiday spending doesn't catch up and people actually read the receipts from the vacation season and go, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Like, we are, as of closing today, which would be the 12th of May, um, we are down almost 2%. Six or any one points lost. Um, like it's falling again. We don't know if this is gonna like you know establish a larger trend because they've realized oh shit this is this is it the final cap crisis of capital is here or even just you know oh shit it's time to get out. Um, I mean it's like we don't know yet watch this space um we'll, <laughs> we'll probably find out really quickly yeah when it does happen because yeah this shit is not going well and to see the market bleeding out after the fed bailout and rescue which they've said is not going to be able to happen again and this isn't because of some like neolib doctrine reasons but because they can't pull it off without like seriously undermining the credibility of the u.s dollar yeah and it's like on top of that the fed right now is focusing primarily on unemployment they want to see full unemployment they want to see full employment or close to it return before they start taking any sort of like heroic measures. And if you were counting on this shit to, you know, keep your position, you know, above water, sorry, dude, this party was going to end at some point. You should have gotten out while you still could. It's just the way it is. You're going to be holding a bag. Yeah kill your parents and sell your position <laughs> that's the only way out at this point folks yep it's the ron paul way <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you you remember that don't you <laughs> oh yeah so yeah moving on to the fun that is energy and climate <laughs> Oh, wow. So, um, part of the reason um, these inflation fears have been going berserk, uh, part of the reason, you know, we've had runs on food and such is because the colonial pipeline shut down because of ransomware. And it didn't shut down for like, you know, oh, we just had have to take a section offline for like six hours so that we can do maintenance or 
we had to like you know rerun windows defender on a bunch of machines it's they decided to pick a fight with a ransomware operator (laughs) (sighs) we will not surrender to terrorists and how's that working out well you know i'm sure that works if you're dealing with like hans gruber or somebody like that but this is kind of more like you are loudly shouting at the poltergeist that has possessed your house that you will not back down while the poltergeist is merrily flinging forks and chairs and heavy objects at your face yeah Look, just give it what it wants. <laughs> just give in. They they have no leverage. They like the fact that the ransomware folks have already kneecapped these guys is enough to have done some serious damage. It's like why keep up this charade? Why keep up this stupid macho bullshit? Just let it happen. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> that's the thing like people have this idea that you know we must not give in to terrorists and it's oh. and just like this idea of oh well we'll just tough it out or something it's like you stupid fucks these guys control the software they can absolutely fuck you up at this point in ways that you are just not prepared to deal with, clearly aren't prepared to deal with, because, oh, wait, we're seeing now, because of this pipeline being shut down, numbers like 51% of gas stations, no, sorry, 44% of gas stations in Virginia are out of gasoline. Yeah. Full stop. And... In Georgia, same numbers. Like, this is (laughs) playing out across the south and the eastern seaboard of just, like, the kind of fuel shortages that have not been seen since the 1970s of gas stations are having to say, go the fuck home, we can't fill you up. Yeah. Like, you know, gas stations off, like, every single pump with baggies over over the handles like yeah there's been we're done there's been people like literally filling up plastic bags and putting them in their trunks for the record do not fucking do that please don't it will eventually eat through plastic is not a neutral material it (sighs) will eat through and you you should not chance it (laughs) just don't and yeah this is you know it's we're not gonna say failed state shit but it's getting there mm-hmm. so they managed to take it offline for like four days Saturday, Sunday, no five five but they managed to restart it uh, a few hours ago as of recording but the thing with a pipeline is that you can't just stop it. Um, 
because they had to shut it down, you know, for safety reasons, because they don't have control over any of the computers. And, you know, they also don't have the billing system, so they can't bill for, you know, what they put out. It's like, they're going to be intermittent. And, like, these people control, like, you know, half the gasoline on the East Coast, half the fuel used on the East Coast. Like, they are not a small potatoes provider um, colonial. Um, They... Just because they've managed to restart production as of, like, three hours ago, that does not mean that things are going to suddenly return to normal. Uh, Things are going to be fucked up for the next couple of weeks. And it's, you know, it's not even, like... It's not anyone's fault, really, except for, you know, the stupid bastards who waited four, you know, four to five days to flush out their systems and restart production. Like, just pay the damn ransom. Just do it. But they're not, because that's giving into terrorism. So, mm-hmm. you know, totally nothing like, you know, a similar... Uh, case of ransomware that now has like allegedly all of the personnel files for the dc metropolitan police ready to be released yeah um i wish we had the time to like crowdfund uh, a counter offer so that they will release the files and still get paid but um we do not unfortunately ah <sighs> This shit's just, yeah, Cyberpunk 2021, baby. Speaking of Cyberpunk, we do have some somewhat good news in the form of a critical breakthrough in lithium metal batteries. So, so far, you may be familiar with the lithium ion battery that's in your smartphone, in your laptop, you know take your pick etc etc these are the things that are making modern digital technology possible particularly the portable kind but it does run into problems of things like charge up time discharge time charging capacity like all these things that have consistently been like a significant problem for things like the development of electrical vehicles well now apparently as per the UK independent there is a significant breakthrough that has led to lithium metal batteries which are supposed to be like several orders of magnitude more efficient in all of those things yeah the there's been proof of concepts of a lithium metal battery in the past but the problem is is the substrate very quickly degrades and that's not something you want to hear when you're talking about a lithium anything system like part of the reason it's so good for batteries is it just really really wants to liberate its electrons it really wants to burn and (laughs) um this breakthrough they've apparently cracked the stability problem they don't have like a commercial proof concept yet, but it sounds like they've finally cracked the the last big hurdle, which is 
that the batteries used to degrade very quickly in even like lab conditions. Like the substrate would just completely break down and it would be useless for anything. But, you know, while it worked, you would be getting some very impressive numbers. <laughs> so, yeah, this is this is pretty kick-ass. I hope they manage to, like, you know, get this to scale. But finally, we're, we're now hitting the engineering challenges part of the rollout, which is awesome. Uh, and I would also like to point out when we're talking about the resources involved here, the economics of lithium are significantly different from the economics of oil in that you can actually recycle lithium ion batteries. There's certainly like, you know, material loss that's involved there, but this isn't like, you know, you can recycle the oil that was used to fuel your car. Yeah. And like, like the, <laughs> the thing with lithium metal is that that would be even easier to recycle if you could um, actually get it to commercialization. And seeing as Elon Musk couldn't make that little coup <laughs> attempt of his in Bolivia stick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this would be a much more efficient use of lithium than existing you know, lithium polymer, lithium ion systems. So, yeah, this, this fucking kicks ass. I love when we get to do good news like this. Oh, yeah. So that gets us to some more stuff on trade and logistics. And this one's not really like a big oh fuck kind of headline because we've definitely had quite a few of those on this topic. This is more of a we told you so headline, you could yeah. say. <sighs> Apparently, that whole supply chain crisis we've been talking about is now starting to hit more mainstream sources as in getting beyond fringe nut cases like us and industry trade papers and is moving on to local news like CBS KMOV4 and they are sourcing this from CNN business And basically the gist of it is this whole supply chain crisis we've been dutifully covering for the last several weeks now is reaching mainstream attention. Yeah. Like people are starting to notice that like chicken is going nuts as far as pricing goes. Um, if you're in the restaurant business, you can't get it for love or money because the major chains are basically just buying up everything before you get to it. And retail is kind of a mess. <sighs> There's also shortages of chlorine because of a unresolved, uh, basically a plant was damaged in Hurricane Laura last year in Louisiana. 
and so it's hard to get like commercial applications of chlorine going because well the plant that supplied a lot of it in the United States was offline for several months it's online now I believe but even so it's like and all of this adds (laughs) up this is all shit that is not good for the economy as we've discussed earlier it's not good for the alleged rebound that's happening this is all just you know more things in the already battered armor of capitalism that really it can't afford to be taking right now yeah it's like now you're paying like $170 $170 for chlorine tablets instead of what it used to be, which was more like 80 Um, So if you have a pool, I'm sorry, you're fucked. Um, and it's going to get worse. It is going to get worse because they are not exactly a priority customer. A lot of this stuff is on allocation. As we've talked about before on this show, when something is in allocation, that means that basically... Well, you're kind of fucked. <laughs> yep. Everybody gets a little bit. And if your industry needs a lot more than another industry, well, then I'm sorry, but you're fucked. And there's really nothing you can do. Yeah. It's like there's been you know the gasoline shortages um you know some of that was uh, some of that was like the shutdown and restart of the colonial pipeline uh, but some of that was the tanker truck crisis we talked about earlier yeah people are starting to notice this um mainstream outlets are starting to notice this and it's I mean, fuck, you can't even get ketchup. You can't get lumber. Um, metals are hard to get. Steel. Like, everything is... Everything is taking the out right now. Yep. Like, that's the long and short of it. Everyone, everyone is having to eat shit on this. And that's going to add up with so many businesses and sectors of the economy that just had to eat shit for a year yeah this is not going to just fix itself or bounce back or whatever the hell else it is that the absolute assholes in charge of the economy think is supposed to happen yeah i mean how tsmc was making noises about oh we're not even sure that we'll be able to you know have full you know, uninterrupted capacity and go off of allocation in 2022. You might be waiting until 2023, which is not news anyone wants to hear. It's, yeah. This is bad. This is, you know, this really gets us to our last Yeah. 
Remember that material collapse thesis that we mentioned in the second Danger Zone special? Mm-hmm. Yep. We're looking at it, unfortunately. This it's... is the deteriorating economy. Yeah. Like, a lot of this is... A lot of this is not, like, spectacular stuff. It's all of a sudden, you can't get ketchup anymore. Um, all of a sudden, it's... You know how you used to do woodworking projects? You can't anymore. Wood does not exist. Wood is a figment of your imagination. Go steal some pallets from behind big lots. <laughs> Wood futures are through the roof. Like, this is everything that holds up the economy and makes the just-in-time lifestyle that everyone's gotten used to possible mm-hmm. is deteriorating at a material level. And this is something yeah. you cannot solve by throwing mountains of Wall Street money at it. You can't make this go away with disruption and innovation and whatever the fuck else Bud's words you want to use today. Like, a lot of their assumption in 2020 was, like, take wood, for example. A lot of their assumption in 2020 was, oh, we're not going to need wood for a while. And then all of a sudden, all of... <laughs> Like, fucking everybody and their dog who owns a house decided to do their renovation projects right this minute. Everyone started trying to do woodworking again. And everyone ran out of lumber. Or, like, now we have, you know, the glorious reopening that is (laughs) draining the supply industry. Like, no, like the restaurant, like hospitality, supply chains, everybody. Like nobody's Mm -hmm. business because now everybody who has been on reduced consumption for the better part of a year is now not just at increased consumption, but in some places there's reports of like spending and purchasing that is well in excess of what was seen in 2019 at the same time of the year, which, you know, if supply chains weren't completely falling the fuck apart would be a great indicator and on a micro level it's a great indicator but everything costs more money everything's harder to get a hold of margins are not what they need to be yeah like a lot of this is just oh my god everything everything is like fucked it's not the end of the world it's not but you can definitely see it from here and it's only gonna get worse i don't know i genuinely do not know if the system has enough slack on it to hold out until 2022 2023 i know the political system i i i don't see it i don't fucking see it this this is going to get worse before it gets better. And like, I think in some ways the political system got a little bit of a reprieve in the form of Biden coming in. But the fact that Biden has like, I mean, he's got like at least some popular support and has been able to get a bit of a rebound going for 
the legitimacy of the government, but you know, we're not talking like enough of a yeah. rebound or anything that makes up for that. The COVID relief package was still negotiated down that uh, from what it really needed to be because of stupid bullshit, Joe Manchin reasons um, that major priorities like raising the minimum wage to a sustainable level are being backburnered because of, again, stupid bullshit reasons. Yeah. I mean, it's like they turned off a pipeline for six days and now you cannot get gasoline for love or money in the Southeast. And it's going to be like that for two more weeks on top of the shortages already. Like this is nothing about this situation is pointing towards good things. It's pointing towards recovery. Just in time for Memorial Day weekend too, by the way. Yeah. Memorial Day weekend where, you know, we're supposed to spend ourselves into oblivion. Is that going to happen? I don't fucking know, but it's, it's kind of hard to go on vacation when you can't fill up the tank. Yes, yes. <laughs> the, this is where the world is now. This is where the U.S. is and is continuing to go. The, these underlying material things that neoliberalism massaged off screen but never really resolved are coming back with a vengeance. Especially because, oh wait, this stupid fucking neoliberal bullshit was never, ever designed with having the capacity or potential to deal with any amount of friction. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> So, so instead, they throw it all onto fucking Bitcoin because that's all they got left. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's it. Yep. This has been Chop Shop Economics. We read this Maybe. shit so you don't have to. Bye, everyone. Good luck out there. <laughs> <laughs>